0: Alright, let me uh, knock this out. Oh, did you even get anything for your cold open? Uh,
1: Just now, you're going. Okay. Yeah. Woo! Third degree. The third degree
2: never Podcast.
0: Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer. Now that is your source, that being Soccer90.com, for all of your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and even international club and national team gear. They've got new arrivals from Juventus, Arsenal, Manchester United, and more. Yes, they have Ronaldo Manchester United jerseys, y'all. So they'll grab those. And all 3rd Degree listeners receive 25% off your order when you use the code Third Degree at checkout over at good 90com
2: Well, hello
0: there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. And despite the fact that our guys have scored six goals across three games, two of which were on the road, they've only gotten two points, and we'll talk about that. Hi, it's me, Peter, and joining me today is my good friend first, Dan Crook. Come in, Dan. Hello, Peter. How are you, Chip Chip Cheerio? Absolutely spiffing. <laughs> pip pip. And uh, founder and editor of thirddegree.net, your hero and mine, the awesome Buzz Carrot. Come in, Buzz.
1: Hi, Peter. It's been a while since I've done this, so I wanted to real quick pimp the Patreon. If if you guys out there listening and like this podcast and like what third degree does, a lot of the reason why we can do it successfully these days is the the support we get from everybody else so patreon.com third degree give us a buck if you like what we do so if i give you one buck a month what do i get from that buzz well you get access to the daily well not quite daily i shouldn't call them that the third degree burns that i do which are like little mini pods are anywhere from two minutes to at the most about eight or nine minutes long they're mm-hmm. little riffs on topics and there's one. At the worst, like every other day, there's one. It, you know, I don't drop one as a podcast, for example, but most days there's uh, something on there. And, and I think they're pretty good. And I've heard some of the people that think they're pretty good. And um, I'm quite proud of the content, actually. So hopefully you guys try that. But in the end, the idea is that all of our all around coverage is why people want to support us and give us a buck or two.
2: Okay. So if I Come give on, you guys f- give a buck about local soccer coverage, that's right. So if I give you five bucks a
0: month, do I get something extra?
1: Oh, yeah. That's the special level that you get to get involved in our Discord, uh, which is a place to chat with like-minded supporters of Third Degree that hit that uh, level. And it's pretty good chatter in there because if anyone gives enough care, enough crap to uh, pay five bucks a month, then uh, they're, they're pretty into FC Dallas. So it's a pretty focused uh, group. And you get this very highfalutin, very special
0: access to Buzz, Dan, and myself, who will chime in on some of these uh, rooms every once in a while. And that makes you feel very special and exclusive, I suspect, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's true, but it's certainly, I I think it's a nice reward for people that are contributing at more than a dollar, you know, getting up to $5.
0: Well, you text me all the time. You don't understand how awesome that is that you get to text with Dan and Peter all the time, but maybe if you're a third degree listener, that's something extra special. But then yeah. again, maybe not.
1: I joke that there's a level of contribution that which you can actually have my phone number and just text me whenever you want. But it's a pretty high level.
0: <laughs> have you have you established what that value is? I
1: did. And I may regret it, but I did. Yeah. There's a couple people that actually have hit that level, which is insane to me. But um, I'm not going to say what it is here. You can go to the Patreon Man, and figure Buzz, it out for I, yourself. I,
0: I'm telling you right now, if that number isn't like doesn't start at four digits, then you <laughs> are selling yourself short, sir. So, uh, yeah.
2: Don't forget the uh, the Discord lunch last week for a couple of us. No, oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, there was
0: a barbecue thing you guys there went was, to. Yeah,
2: hand access, not to Buzz. Buzz was busy. Yeah. And Buzz was
0: busy being a superstar on the satellite radio. You killed it, by the way, Buzz. On
2: oh, the, thanks. Uh, yeah.
1: That's the Jason Davis bit. That was a nice invite from them. And um, I mean, I was planning on going to that little luncheon and I'm sure we'll do one again. But uh, it was a nice chance to get on national radio. So Sirius XM. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's only taken 20-plus years for yeah. Buzz to get recognized from the national soccer uh, glitterati that maybe they should talk to him about things to, about this club instead of just making up stuff.
1: So. Okay, teaser. I'm doing Scuffed tomorrow. Wow, are you? That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. I, I'm recording tomorrow. I don't know when it'll drop. But.
2: Okay. Fun story. There was, there was a whole uh, topic in that lunch that Scuffed only ever mentions third degree and no other podcast.
0: Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, that means and proves they have outstanding taste. Yeah. At least that's what I take out of that. Sure. All right, I know it sounds like we're avoiding the topic at hand, but it is time to talk about Football Club Dallas. It's nice is, weather we're having today, isn't it, guys? <laughs> it's very nice weather. The humidity's kind of dropped off and you can get the sense that fall is nigh upon us. Uh, all right, here we go. So, Since we last talked, the guys that we love uh, and love to watch have had two games. And let me just say something. And I I think this is—and we're going to start with the San Jose game, which ended up in a 1-1 draw. I would—my takeaway from that game was is that if Lucci's boys played that type of game week in and week out, No matter what the result ended up being, I think I would be a happy FC Dallas fan. That was a performance that I really enjoyed. I do also admit up front that's by and large a byproduct of how San Jose defends or attempts to defend. But, man, I got a lot out of that game, and I really, really enjoyed it, even though it ended up 1-1 at home.
1: Yeah, I would agree that it was a really... Good game from SC Dallas' part, except for like the first five minutes when I think everyone was kind of still trying to find their way, which is unfortunate. And there's the the goal they gave up early on the PK. There were like four straight people that were like, "Oop!" Ah, and made a mistake, and they ended up in the PK. But um, other than that, yeah, I actually thought that was a really good game.
0: And, and I think the real shocker out of this, and again, I think some of that showed up in the game uh, earlier, uh, just a couple of days ago against uh, New York was the performance of Emma Tuamase at left back. What a revelation that cat has been this season.
1: Yeah, what's weird about that uh, is the left-sided part. Because I've seen him play, we've seen him play right back before, we've seen him play right wing before. We've kind of, tiny bit, seen him play left wing. I've never seen him play left back before, other than when I saw it in the training for like one session before it happened. And he was great. I mean, he looked just as good as he did on the right. I mean, I don't know that he's going to supplant Ryan Hoggishead, but Hollishead was comes back. But uh, it certainly makes me think that Emma Tuomasi's got a professional career in Major League Soccer ahead of him playing for either side of this team uh, if he chooses to stay
2: here going forward in his career. So that's that 10 minutes against uh, the reserve team in a friendly a couple of years ago. You know, it's, it's done him the business. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, Steve Davis uh, on both the last broadcast had talked about talking to Emma about playing left back, and I guess Emma's impression was he had never done it before. But I do think Steve said there was a game earlier this season where he got subbed over or shifted over to that position for like the last six minutes of a game or something. But the takeaway is what you're seeing is really good. But a guy that has never like traditionally or ever and ex- in any extended period of time played left back, and man, I thought he was really good. He's good at holding the ball. He's good at defending. He's good at progressing the ball up the field. His crossing from the left has been really good. I I, I have been really impressed out of that. That was a huge takeaway for me.
1: Yeah, it's in particular, uh, I see a guy that doesn't look at all phased or nervous either. Like th- they tried to a couple of times over the last couple of games, I can't remember which teams it was, but both those teams tried at times to key on him and they tried to pinch him against the sideline and they tried to uh, San Jose aggressively take the ball off of him. And he shielded and he turned and he built out. And I, I hardly remember him making a mistake in terms of build out at all. And, you know, luchi ball, that's a big component of that. So the, the guy's been, for me, a phenomenal re- revelation. And I, frankly, I have not missed Ryan head at all, which is awful to say. But, uh, you know, left back is such a hard position to fill. What, what a bonus that all of a sudden we find out that there's a guy that can play left back on this team.
0: Well, that, especially when you consider that both Ryan and his backup, Nelson, are out and injured. Nelson, especially with the back surgery, out for an extended period of time. That was definitely a position of weakness, or we thought it was, leading into the San Jose game when you saw that you had Che on one side, who's just a very, very young kid, and Emma playing a position that he'd never technically played before. So to get those performances out of that guy, and we'll talk about Che here in a second, was a huge lift. Now, my question, Buzz, going back to my initial thing about this was am I correct in saying that a lot of what I saw and really enjoyed about how Dallas played that game was tied directly to how San Jose plays its game?
1: It's possible that they don't quite play the strict man marking anymore. It's kind of a sort of a half and half sort of situation. But I think Dallas um you know was back at home and we talked about for a month and a half we talked about how that was the middle game of this seven game all on the road except for this one. And so Dallas really needed those points. And when they give that early goal, then there was a desperation out of them. And Frank O'Hara was starting and probably is looking to make some bones because Pepe's been killing it, you know, and Jesus is looking to make some bones because Jesus didn't get called up. And now he's, I'm not going to say mad, but he's definitely feeling driven all of a sudden. Uh, And so across the board, I thought that team played uh, in that game, particularly super aggressive and super active. And for me, that's the thing I complain about the most with this team on the road is the passivity when they, that they crops up on the road, when they want to play not to lose versus when they're playing to win, which is what you saw against San Jose. I feel at home a totally different mentality.
0: Dan, is, uh, I guess the, what I was wondering from you was, am I wrong in saying that there was a level of passing and connecting and one touch progressing down the field that just seemed like another level from what we had seen from them lately? Is, is that perception of just me, or did you pick up on that too?
2: No, I, I thought much the same, uh, really up until the final third. Uh, then it all started to fall apart. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in the midfield, they certainly – you know. Completely lively, it looked great, uh, just yeah, I just I don't know what it was in the, in the final third, everything kind of seemed to fall apart uh, almost as badly as Jackson you will on the goal line but celebrate. yeah that that I don't think I've ever seen that I'm glad you brought
0: that up because I had forgotten to, <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. have we ever seen a, a an attacking player? receive or find a cross at the back post of the goal they're trying to score upon, the ball go over the keeper's
1: head, and that player head the ball out of the goal of the goal they're trying to... I don't know if I've ever seen that before. All I could think of was he must have thought it was going wide, and he was trying to keep it back in play and like send it across... You know, they lost sort of track of where he was on the field. <laughs> that, was like, that was the strangest game in terms of their – because they listen, They got some wide-open chances in the box. There was some horrible man marking on some set plays, which we're going to come back to later. But, uh, yeah, that was one of the most crazy plays I've ever seen in soccer, to be fair. Dan, have you seen that before?
2: Not on the line. I've seen a guy miss from a yard out dead center, but not, not that.
0: Yeah, that was the uh, one of the craziest things I've ever seen and I I'm, I'm dying to be in the video review for San Jose when they all when all the players go back and watch that with Jackson Ewell, cuz man, he, not only did he, I mean not only miss the header, he literally took a, kept a ball from going in the net. It was it was like a total defensive thing. It was crazy. Uh, in fact, you know, I do think it, coming away, I should also be, uh, we, I should be honest about the performance. As good as there were so many things about Dallas, there were uh, San Jose. By and large, did let Dallas off the hook. Wondolowski doing his Belgium final flub of a finish that he on an open header that he missed. The Jackson Yule moment. There were a couple of others as well, uh, and and that also leads into an ongoing thing, Buzz with Philippe at goalkeeper, because mm. if you go back to Salt Lake where they gave up three goals, uh, this game where there was so many opportunities for San Jose, the New York game that we'll talk about where they also gave up an, another three goals, the one kind of constant in that is Philippe at goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, he, it's 3-3-1-3 three, three, that they've given up since uh, Philippe went into the net. And a lot of the symptoms, it's, it's, not, listen, it's not 100% on him because – those four games also align with Persan being out. As much as it, like, from time to time we want to replace Persan, that is the same time frame. You had to go with Martinez, Hedges, and, and um, uh, Tafari by himself you know, in, in that situation. But some of the big symptoms with Philippe are the clearly obvious uh, inability to get everybody marked up on set plays, the, the, the untracked players, the general disorganization of the defense. We've talked many, many times about how Mauer's strongest points are his communication and his organization which all comes from his experience and probably also a little bit of a language barrier. I don't I think Philippe speaks English fairly well, but I don't there's a difference between being, you know, a second language and a first language and there's a difference in the confidence level and there's a difference in the communication with the team. And on top of that, Philippe's confidence is going to be down because he's given up a couple of soft goals, a soft rebound, a soft ball underneath him and then it happened again in the next game. When you're giving up on average, almost three goals a game over four games, that is not good. And that's going to wreck your confidence of your keeper and your defense. And that's why we've talked about a lot on the instant reactions of, Lucy's going to have to figure out how to address this. So there's got to be some changes in the back. I don't think it's the wide outside backs. I think it's a combination of the, three, the two center backs and the keeper that's not clicking and not working right now.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking, and I don't mean to jump ahead to the New York game, but in particular, there's the goal that they give up. It might be the third or second New York goal where Martinez just completely misses, loses his mark and the guy heads the ball, the crossed ball in at the far post. And I, and that just, that was a shocking uh, uh, error on Martinez's part. Or am I, or is that a lack of
1: organization on Philippe's part? It's probably a little bit of both. I actually thought watching the replays of that play uh, right, right. As it happened, that, that the New York striker is actually also very athletic and makes a gigantic leap that few that Dallas center backs. Volley, still, huh?
2: That was a great volley at the back post, but still, you – I mean, Felipe uh, – no, Felipe, sorry. Um, Martinez. Martinez, yeah, just just kind of walks off him. He did with the second too, the, uh, the one that Felipe pushed wide. And that one, uh, my first thought is, okay, you – Okay, Martinez is, is trying to attack the ball, he's gone away from, from the mark. You kind of forgive that with the with the deflection. But he does it again on the third and that's just a straight tap in at the back post. I mean it, that's not you know, for for a guy that's played La Liga that just seems so off. I mean you, you shouldn't need to have Felipe screaming at him, you know, mark a back post, back post. Yeah, for no a guy I guy that's played at that level.
0: I agree, and, I, and I'm a little concerned about Martinez, and I don't know if this is a function of just not getting a lot of game time and coming back from injury. He initially showed up to this team out of nowhere, and we didn't know much about him, and he, had, he started relatively solid and then got injured and had a couple of weird flubs that we were lining up to injury, but now he's healthy again, and we're still seeing these mistakes on his part, and I'm beginning to wonder if maybe he was the good signing we all thought he was going to be at the beginning of the season.
1: Well, a lot of that is from lack of playing time. You know, if you're not playing, it's it's very difficult to be in top tier, I don't know, mentality, form, whatever. There's definitely a lot of playing center back that has to do with your partner and your familiarity and how um, much you're on the same page with each other. So some of that, I mean, I still think the guy's got a lot of ability and a lot of game. It's just, it needs to be, you know, he needs to be healthy and playing consistently for it to be happening. I, I don't think that he's like a, you know, top defender in the league sort of level. I don't think that's true, but, um, I think he's, I think given the ability to play consistently, I think he's, uh, for chunks of the season, particularly early in the season, I thought he was better than Brasson. Brasson had the great start to the year where he was really good early on. And then there was the set, that second window where Brasson fell off. And I thought Martinez looked like he was the real deal. And then he got hurt and he's been out a whole bunch. So, I mean, the whole Dallas defense has been incredibly inconsistent and all the pieces are in and out and moving all the time. And that's one of the reasons why the defense has been very inconsistent on the score sheet as well all year. It's a big Achilles heel this year. But isn't what confuses all of this conversation we're having is the
0: emergence of Nikosi Tafari, who was untested, unproven, had had little to no playing time, shows up, and short of kind of having to improve some of his passing, He's been the outstanding center back out of the entire group the entire time,
1: right? Well, he has been the last sort of eight games that he has been getting. But if you think wow. back to really good defenses that this organization has had, I think that it comes when you have two center backs who stay healthy and play very consistently. They get 28 out of 34 games together. You know, that, that kind of familiarity, because so much of defending is position and mentality and uh, mental connection. And uh, granted, you have to be able to be, be able to play too. You have to be able to use the ball with your feet. You have to be able to run enough and all that stuff. But the togetherness is so huge. I mean, you, you can you can look back at all the great seasons and you can go, oh, those were the two guys. Well, this year it's been a mess. I mean, any one of those guys has only played 10, 12 games. I think I, I say it without looking. I don't think any of them have played over 25 by any stretch because it's it's just been utter chaos back there. But I told I do agree given the where this team is, I do agree that Tafari should be the first choice no matter what because he's now the guy you want to build around in the for the future. It's like him and somebody else. So figuring out who somebody else is is now important, but also playing him as much as possible is important because the team's in the bottom of the table. So who cares? You know about winning this season. That's the way I feel about it.
2: I think yeah. you can actually extend that beyond just the center-back pair into the entire back four. If you look at the games that Hedges has played lately, he's played right center-back, he's played left center-back, he's played right center-back with Ima Tumasi at right-back, he's played right center-back with Justin Che at right-back, he's played left uh, center-back with Ryan head at left-back. It's, it's really gelling across that entire back four, and we've seen it a few times mainly with Che, uh, you know, his inexperience shown where he kind of gets pulled either inside or, or too far forward, that that then affects, you know, where the mark, you know, the, your position in marking a player, if you can stay goal side, if you kind of have to cheat a little bit to the outside to cover a wide player as well and hope that the, the six can get back, which has been a huge problem in itself for FC Dallas this season to, to kind of help cover the defense. I completely agree with you, Dan, but that also uh, perfectly illustrates
0: why I think Tafari not only has been the biggest revelation this season, but I also think it solidifies my argument that he's been the best center back this season because he's been a mix of all these changes, yet he's been the most consistent center back on this team. Um, over brasson Hedges, and Martinez, who uh, all of those guys are veteran players making, I don't know, multiple times the more money. I don't know what that really says about anything, maybe other than the fact that Defari has just been a real, the best story of the season so far. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. The consistency that he's displayed since becoming the starter makes him the best guy over the course of the season, and the, you're gonna to have to give the guy a pay raise. I'm pretty sure he's out of contract because this year was an option already. Because <laughs> he was, you know, not he was not a homegrown kind of guy. He came out and he got a one and one. I'm pretty sure. So I'm you got to try and for all I know he's he's got, already got starry eyes and he's gone. But hopefully that's not the case. And you also have to consider. I think you have to consider when you look at if Hollingshead was healthy and you now we're back to Emma and Shay right back. Part of the discussion has to be we're losing Justin Che this winter, more than likely. I'm just Mm -hmm. assuming, right? Well, why why would I play Justin Che the last 10 games when I can play Emmittu Amasi, who's probably going to be my guy next year, right? So that has to come into discussion at this point of the season. They're both talented. Tafari looks like a guy you want to build around. Hedges is 31. Bersana is going to go either 28 or 29 now. So is Martinez. Not all three of those dudes can start. So I think you've got to spend some time in your staff figuring out who the other center back is that you'd like to be the key guy with Safari going forward. At the same time, you can't get rid of all those guys because you also need depth at center back. It's important, but you want more consistency there. Across the whole back line, it's been a mess.
0: Well, the other thing that we should talk about of the San Jose game was that tremendously eye-popping moment when uh, Justin Che gets the ball deep in their half of the field and proceeds to go on what? an 85 yard slicing through the entirety of the San Jose team to get to the top of the box, only to hit the shot a slightly wide and then it gets blocked. But for a 17 year old kid to have the NADS to make that move in MLS, I thought was uh, pretty telling about the kid.
1: Well, he's super comfortable and super confident, just like a lot of these kids that come out of the Academy is they all believe in their ability to play. Um, And he's, now convinced that he can play at this level. And obviously that's true. He certainly can. And Dallas has worked with him about going forward. Like, you know, Verlucci wants modern outside attacking backs. So Justin, even when he was North Texas, he's tried to do that. And he continues to try and do that. You know, he's been so good at it that maybe even people are now talking about maybe he should be an outside back. I I don't think so. I think I still want him to be a center back. But, you know, in the end, it's going to be somebody else's problem next year, not Dallas's. (laughs) sorry. Well, (laughs) yeah no i yeah. agree and what
0: was interesting I, the the run itself is interesting because it's not your stereotypical guy just blistering down the sideline he actually cuts inside and beats several people i mean the my favorite part of that entire clip if you haven't watched it you need to go back and watch it is one of the san jose players i don't know it may have been Wandelowski or somebody i don't know is close to him when he begins it and the guy chases him And then when Che gets to half field, he's just just like, oh, fuck it. And he gives up. And just lets Che Che just keeps going. And the guy's just left in the dust. And he proceeds to beat everybody else. Now, we should package all of that stuff with the kid is 17 years old. And you're going to get the good and the bad. Because he certainly had his bad moments. He had the assist for Pepe on the goal in the San Jose game. But then he also had the pretty bad moment
1: on at least one, if not two, of the goals uh, against New York on Tuesday night. Well, if you remember when I when we first started talking about Che, I mentioned he was an attacking, a converted attacker, and that his ball skill, like with Richards, we talked about his passing. With Che, it's his ball skill. He has the ability to dribble like that. And in some ways, he is still learning to defend, and he mostly was a center back in the academy. So last year with North Texas and this year with FC Dallas, he is learning to play right back still. So he does occasionally make 17-year-old mental switch-offs. He does get caught up the field more than he should, more than you would like. He does have recovery pace. You know, This is just some of the pains you're going to have when you play a 17-year-old right back. As gifted as he is and as good as his recovery speed is, uh, you're just going to have to live with some of this.
2: I think uh, one thing we did see uh, in that San Jose game was that they were able to neutralize his attacking threat and really kind of kill him on the defense just by bringing in Cade Cowell and saying, okay, you're quick, you're quicker than our left wing, try being quicker than this one. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah fair
0: Cal kid is uh, sharp and fast too you're right about that
2: we'll say on that assist uh, you know that is the product of him staying up from that run as well they just recycle the ball get it out wide, he pops it in
1: yeah the prototypical Dallas press you know recovery a loose ball uh, get it whip it right back in that's you know that's what they do
0: So um, the other thing is, I I guess the one question I wanted to ask you guys about the San Jose game is, as much as I enjoyed the way the team played and how they were all playing for each other, covering for each other, the the way they were passing, interacting, they did unfortunately end up making a draw at home, which was not the result they needed out of that. And I was wondering if you guys, uh, Dan, were you disappointed in the result or were you more pleased with how they played or what was your overall reaction to the San Jose game?
2: I was disappointed in the result. When you looked at the six from seven, you counted the three points at home, and you didn't get them. Uh, but at this time, of this, at this point of the season, with less than ten games left, and uh, you know, even if it's only sort of three, four points at this stage, you know, against teams that you're you're going to play against, uh, you need to have those points in hand. Okay, Buzz. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, I, I think that the the disappointment there is the the mental flatness at the start. I, I'm not going to put it on any one person. There just was a little lackadaisical, you know, and weren't quite ready for San Jose's energy that San Jose always has. So that's that's a negative. And then just, again, what you really needed the home points. It's not, it's not the end of the world, but um, this is a tie that I think feels like it's not, feels like it's not – I'm not going to go as far as it's a loss, but just, it's definitely not a win. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, is points left on the field, this is one of those games like if you miss by a point or two at the end, you're going to point at this game as one of the big moments, big blown moments, particularly because the defense was as bad as it was. And, and San Jose did not take advantage and left the door open, and Dallas was not able to do anything to get it, you know, over the finish line at the end.
0: Okay. So now I'm going to ask you to compare and contrast your reaction to that to the 3-3 draw Tuesday night. In New Jersey against NYCFC. Uh,
1: um, I, I the my, my takeaway from that game was y- you're well, hey, let me,
0: here. Let me ask you this question. Let me try. Let me reword it. Are you more or less disappointed, or than, like the they're they're both draws. One's three three on the road. One is one one at home. Which one are you more or less
1: put out by? Uh, I'm more upset about the one at home on the road. Like New York is a very difficult place to play and you get a point on the road. You score three goals on the road. That's all good. There's a lot to work with there. There's a lot to build on going forward there. You even got some contributions from guys who have been flat and not contributing lately. You know, so if you can straighten up your defense, you can take a lot from the New York game compared to the San Jose game. Um, Despite the fact that they give up three goals in New York, you know, it still is a that was a tie that actually felt like a positive win to me.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Dan, in this game, I can't believe I'm saying this. Hadir O'Brien scored not once, not twice, or no, not once, but twice, and was also named to the MLS Team of the Week. Is that not the seventh sign
2: of the apocalypse? Uh, that, that is the sign that people don't generally watch games. Uh, that if, you, <laughs> if you score or assist, you're kind of guaranteed a spot. Uh, I will say though his second goal was, I mean, granted his miss in the first two minutes was maddening. Uh, yes, I Because the same agree. thing again, go <laughs> one on one, you're you're clear, you're <laughs> through. Let's slow up, let the defender catch up, and then shoot from distance. He needs to get at, out of that habit. First goal, tap in. I mean, it just had to hit him. He didn't have to do anything on it. Uh, but the second goal, he worked for. He, you know, he pressed from behind. He stole the ball off of. Uh, Avocado uh you know and and made the run gave uh, Ricarte a really nice easy pass and and a you know a solid finish past Sean Johnson that was arguably the most impressive passage of play he's had this season so buzz cuz i see this a lot yeah People go, but because you initially,
0: when you saw him in the starting lineup, you tweeted something about kicking a trash can and being disappointed he was in the starting lineup. And then, of course, people were giving you, well, this didn't age well, you know, <laughs> reactions to your tweet. And so my question to you is, what is it about Hot Air's game that is generally considered to be problematic. And why is it we keep making comparisons to him, to uh, Roland Lamar from his two seasons here in Dallas?
1: Yeah, I was disgusted when I saw him in the lineup and somebody tweeted extra time with my take or whatever. And, and I was said, uh, you can tweet it extra time all you want. Cause those guys know why he shouldn't be starting. And they liked my tweet in return. So I thought that was on point. <laughs> um, the reason we compare them to Roland Lamar is that there are players in, in soccer who, for one reason or another do not play in the team concept. It doesn't matter what the team concept is. They don't they don't play in the concept. So they can have a brace game. They can have great moments. They can have great production. You know, the Borlom was like the second leading scorer on this team one time. I still was couldn't have gotten rid of the guy faster because he doesn't he doesn't help the team be better. In this particular case, uh Shabal Khshun for me plays more in tune with what the team has really excelled at over the last month. These young kids doing this high-press, quick-movement interaction interplay, taking advantage of Pepe's movement, contributing their own movement. Shun looks to create with his teammates. He has six assists in, like, 11 games or something. That's a ridiculous assist rate, number one. So, like, he's back, in my mind, it's unquestionable that he should be starting. And the reason it is, is because Obreon is the opposite of that. Obreon is a black hole on the field, which is a term that I use when you're talking to a player that when the ball comes into his feet, it's a shot on goal or it's a turnover. And nothing else happens. He's not going to play tiki tacky combo. He's not going to get the ball at his feet, recognize an opportunity, and lay it off. When the, Before the ball comes to him, he's already decided what he's going to do, and he's going to do that thing no matter what now in this game he got two goals out of it credit to him he took advantage of the moment i've said all along that i think the guy has a value to the roster particularly i like him off as a change of pace off the bench where his his best attribute becomes even more uh pronounced and he can really be effective i think in that role right now he's the only player on this team that can get behind the defense and so that can also be effective it is useful but I would start Shum 10 times out of 10 over Obreon. To me, he's just like Roland Lamar in the sense that he does not play in the team concept. It's the exact same player, pretty much. It, it,
0: it is, and it's maddening, because I, uh, you know, my memories of Roland Lamar were laughing at how awful he was tactically and, and what problems he created. But I did go back today and look at his stats, and I had totally forgotten. In 2017, he, he started 29 games, Buzz, he scored 11 goals Tap for ins. this
1: team. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, well, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's still no. 11 goals and three assists. And in his second season, he scored eight goals and six assists.
1: Yeah, but a lot of those things come in bunches, and a lot of them can't. He was very hot or cold. And listen, yes. I, 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 you know, listen, this is the thing. He can be effective just like Roland Lamar was, just like Obreon was. Those guys, when they're on, they're, they have tools that can work. But in the grand scheme of a 90-minute game, Lamar, this was for sure the case. The other 80 minutes, he made the team worse because he was not in the proper position defensively. And you're talking about a team under Oscar that had to have that rigid low block shape. And he Roland Lamar was wandering all over the field, and people kept having to cover up for him. Yeah. Obreon, same thing. Obreon in this the current way the Dallas plays, they list it as a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 or whatever. It's still this side. <clears throat> excuse me. It's still this 4-4-1-1 with Jesus playing as this underneath striker. In order to do that, your wings have to take the time to be sitting back in front of your outside backs, helping them when they get doubled up because the other team will try to exploit that space. Obreon doesn't do that. He kind of just wanders about the field, just like Roland Lamar. So for the other 90 minutes of the game, Obreon is not contributing to the victory. Granted, in this game, he had two goals. Great, awesome. You're the man. I'm okay with you being on the roster, I'm taking Shun 10 times out of 10.
0: Yeah, and just to kind of put a fine point on it, when Roland Lamar left Dallas and went to FC Cincinnati, he had one goal and three assists. Now, again, that was was a terrible expansion team, but probably shows how the quality of Dallas highlighted whatever – skill sets lamar has and he's not even in mls now he's playing with memphis 901 in usl championship yeah i think dallas
1: couldn't wait to get rid of the guy
0: no i mean I, you I know, agree. And
1: production aside that tells you everything you need to know
0: now the, the reason why i'm bringing this all up is that i'm thinking about the new york city game on tuesday night and one of the questions that i had and i don't know if you guys remember this but on the third goal for new york city that is a crossed-in ball from out wide. And you know the person who was having to mark the wide player at that point of the game was? Jesus Ferreira. Yes. And did anybody else go, why is Jesus Ferreira having to mark a wide-out guy this late in the game? Where is Jadir? You know where Jadir is? Standing essentially at the middle of the field. I yeah.
2: asked Jesus about that at the end of the uh, – after the game, and he was – I mean, was he
0: a good it, teammate and just and took it? For, he took, was a took good
2: teammate, but he was like, I'm not a defender. I'm not a one-on-one cross stopper or shot stopper. But the team needed me there in that moment. So I had and, to be there. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't one moment. It was several
0: yeah, but why was he needed there? Because this is the, and the reason why I'm I'm pounding on this is this is what we get frustrated about uh, that outside of goal scoring is that this is the tactical failure and problems that Obreon creates for for uh, Lucci, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Hader is, is great defensively at pressing, and that's about it. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Che was inside by the six yard box. Hader is God knows where. Your midfielders aren't supporting that gap between the full the fullback position and the centre back position, so you've got your, you know your your playmaker coming back to play right back. It was just like a perfect storm of nobody's quite doing what they're supposed to be doing in that moment several times. <laughs> it was frustrating, and I would also say while there, I can see where you can say he's
0: good at pressing at the attacking end of the field, high pressing. I would say that. The problem with it is, is that it's in no way organized, or uh, uh, it's in no way organized with all of his teammates. He just runs after the ball.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's his skill going forward or back. It's he will just run out the ball, like like when you played uh when you played football in the schoolyard, and you know every you know you play fifteen on fifteen or some stupid number, and everyone converges on the ball.
1: Yeah. Nobody
2: thinks I'm going to stand in space, wait for it. Mm. You know. That's how he plays. It's that simple mentality. But at the same time, it 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 looks kind of appealing in comparison to like uh, Freddie Vargas, who's like, "Whoa, whoa! I'm not going behind the halfway line. What the hell's wrong with you?" (laughs) I do want to, since we're trashing him, I will give
1: O'Brien one tiny positive, uh, additional comment. He seems to have stopped the last couple of games, the diving and the looking for the fouls a little bit, and is playing through a couple of these physical smacks. And and maybe and I and I would contend that even that maybe even why he actually got a goal or two because he is fighting through some of that stuff. So there's at least some level of I I hope that's coachability that he took an instruction and fixed that part. You know, I I don't think you're going to turn him into a great defender because you are dead right in that moment. I was like, what the hell is Jesus doing over there? Where's Obreon? You know, it's exactly... <laughs> yeah you yeah. know and, and god bless steve davis who's always working very hard to
0: be very fair and equal uh and even minded with players in the way that he criticizes and and always looks for an opportunity to give compliments when they're due and to be fair to Obreon, he finally did on one opportunity on a breakaway instead of just trying to beat his defender with pure pace he actually put in a relatively good crossed ball from distance that steve even uh, commented on and I, and we're like where is that we need to see more of that so uh, there are interesting aspects of things that I think he does positively it's just not very consistent Uh, and I think that's where we get frustrated with him as a player yeah
1: 100 percent.
0: especially when he shows up as a starter (laughs) which uh takes us uh so i think you know we 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 should probably just focus on what has been really good with this team of late and that clearly is one or two things and buzz i want to give you credit because you've taken the time to make this statement on social media which is and steve davis even talked about this on the new york game in fact he even described it as how Pepe's just sucking all the air out of the room with the media attention he's getting. And quietly, what's been going on in the background is Jesus Ferreira is putting together a a tremendous all-star type season for this club and really beginning to live up to the promise that we've all been told he has.
1: Yeah, I I honestly think that uh, he must have feel left out of the national team because I think it's kind of only been like the last... It's been getting better over the course of the whole season. Don't read me wrong there. But particularly, he's lit it up the last or six games or so. I think he has the same numbers as Pepe, four goals and two assists, I think, over the last four or five. He's been my man of the match. I think it's now three out of four games he's been my man of the match. The dude is on fire. He pretty much single-handedly got all the goals in that RSL game when he just handed one on, uh, going back two weeks now to the RSL game, handed one to um, um, Hara on a plate, and they did the other, which is one of the goals of the year for this team, probably with that dribbling slum he did. And he's just continued to do it, uh, again, in the last two games, and it's a hundred percent this idea, this underneath striker, where he's getting forward in the box. How many times have we had this conversation? Pepe's runs, put the center backs under stress, pulls them out of shape. If he's not being aggressively tracked by the sixth, then he's getting free underneath. He's getting opportunities. He's finding players. He's shooting on goal. You know, he could have had three or four more in any one of these games. That he's been playing so well. The dude's <laughs> playing for me some of the best ball of, of his entire career, and this even includes 2019 when he was good, I think he's even better now. This is the best of his career for me, playing this underneath striker role. Uh, and it, he honestly is the reason why right now, Pepe's getting all the attention, but Jesus is the one driving the engine, and I think he's playing just phenomenal soccer.
0: All right, so stick with me here for a second, because this goes back to the podcast that we did for the kick around after the national team games. And I yeah. made a half joke about the concept of, Man, wouldn't it be awesome if Ricardo Pepe got matched up with Jesus Ferreira in a national team game, and because they're playing so well together, they single-handedly saved the United States qualifying effort. And and, And I made a joke about that at the time, but now I really want to talk about this in reality. Because of the way those two guys are playing so well together, and I specifically am talking about in reference to the goal that Jesus scored after the really nice collection of the ball and pass from Pepe to get himself the assist on that. But think about the U.S. playing this exact same formation that Dallas is playing except where Dallas is having problems with wide players now you've got Christian Pulisic on one side and G. Arena on the other
1: yeah my my only uh dial back on that I I think it's a great idea my only dial back on that is that I think quite a bit of the time Bearhalter goes with a single pivot and you end up with Weston and, and Legette playing is like a double eight look. And so mm-hmm. there's there's often not this underneath striker. Like the game against Honduras, Pepe, Pulisic, and Sargent were across the front line, right? And and because generally speaking, it's Gio and Pulisic, who both are false wings, they both take turns coming underneath, which is the position that Jesus would be occupying. So while if you could actually play sort of the 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one kind of look and have Pulisic and ran a sort of sit deeper and wider, like the Dallas wings do when they're building forward, then it could work with Jesus, But I, I don't think you want to do that with Gio and, and Pulisic, no, to be fair. So yeah, I, fair. I I would worry about how, listen, I think Jesus is playing out of his mind and I'd love to see him in there. I think he would have to be as a nine or it would have to be as a false wing um, when you have um, now that uh, uh, Gio's hurt. Why not look at Jesus as a, as a false wing? He can absolutely play that inside-outside uh, wing style, and the way he's playing, he's about as hot as anybody. Um, I'd love to see it, but otherwise, I, I would worry that it's not right for halter.
0: Hmm. Dan, do you have any thoughts in all of this?
1: Well, I regret to inform you informing me that Dan had to go.
0: Oh, he is no
1: longer with us.
0: I didn't know if his uh, silence was typical. Dan sitting in the background playing a greek chorus or if this was (laughs) already known he had to leave the podcast early to make a run to the airport
1: yeah he left about five minutes ago no sorry which clearly now indicates that you can't see who's in the room with us other than no (laughs) i
0: can't no sorry about that well all
1: right r.i.p
0: dan pour one out for our british friend dan wait he hates it when i call him british my english our english friend dan is he not british you, I, you know, apparently English people don't like being called British. Oh, well, okay. It's a thing. Apparently.
1: Yeah, who knew? I, who knew? I didn't know.
0: Yeah, so. Well, maybe it's just a Dan thing. but Could be. It's a, a loose thing. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, 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 I think the New York City game was frustrating in a lot of ways, mostly because they were doing so well. You know, look. NYCFC has not been known as a team that gives up goals on the road now some of that I think is tied to the I like I'm not 100% sure how many games they've been playing at Red Bull versus how many games they've been playing on the trapezoid field of Yankee Stadium I tend to think that the latter gives them a significant advantage uh, in that department Um, but at least the stats tell you that NYCFC does not give up goals on the road. And to give up three games against Dallas, of all things, uh, has been very frustrating for that fan base. I've seen a lot of complaining about that. So that's why I find the NYCFC game to be more frustrating, because I really felt like that was a game for the taking, uh, an unexpected game for the taking.
1: Yeah, I I feel the other way around, because of the idea that New York's only given up three goals one other time this year when they lost to New England, who's obviously the best team in the East, uh, because you can manage three goals against that team, I think shows you how good the Dallas offense is clicking right now. Um, Brandon Cervania has been playing great soccer as well. He was a little rustier in this game because they pressed him really hard and, and made it difficult for him to get the ball because he's the main guy doing the progression of right now. But, um, you know, that's why I feel like Uh, that was a more difficult place to go play, more difficult circumstances, and you managed to get three. And if you could have just solidified the defense a little bit more, you could have had that game. And that's why I feel positive because you could have had that game and it would have been a good result. I I know what you mean about like uh, you feel worse because, like, oh, they could, they really could have, oh, it was so close. But, uh, you know, for me, that's a win in a
0: way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's crummy because it's certainly, you know, I think all of us have been kind of uh, hoping and anticipating that this kind of surge in form and attacking talent in Pepe's form and Jesus's form was going to turn into an improvement in the standings. And it hasn't, the team is still where they're kind of sitting at the bottom. I mean, Hey, look, the upside is they're the best team in Texas, <laughs>
1: no,
0: <they are. laughs> but that doesn't mean much when all three teams are at the bottom of the Western conference. You just happen to be the, the least worst of the three, right? Tallest yeah. kindergartner kind of thing. So, uh, and, and to not get those results, you know, losing in Salt Lake's one thing, not getting the result at home against San Jose, missing the opportunity in YFC uh, is all kind of a, a, a package of, um, I don't know, there's bits and pieces This excited to see Jesus and Pepe play well but they're not getting the results they need to be a playoff team. And overall, that's kind of a disappointment as the season's gone along.
1: Yeah, the the offense coming together has coincided with the defensive letdown. But, and even beyond just the last few games, Peter, it's the defense the whole season. Dallas has given up 40 goals this year. There's only wow. one team that's given up more this season in the West, and that's Portland. They've given up 41. And there's only one team worse than that in the whole league, and that's Cincinnati at 42. So it's 100% right now the badness of this season as a larger picture is because the defense is not getting it done. And if you look at uh, 10 goals in four games, the last four, that's completely unacceptable. You cannot continue giving up almost three goals a game over that stretch. And a, a lot of it, if you believe in this whole XG stuff, I'm not a big believer, but they're actually giving up more than they should be. They're they're worse than their XG allowed. So it's not just that they're not playing good defense, it's they're playing poor defense and then choking. So they, they're going to have to try and write that ship in the back if you want to actually see some of the results come. And the uh, the ultimate insanity of the whole thing is that right now, they're still only, what is it, uh, six points? Yeah, six points out of seventh place behind LAFC's on 33 and Dallas's on 27. So if you can grind a couple more points out of this next three road games and then you finish with five of seven at home, I mean it's dumb, but Vancouver in front of you is not that good. I mean the the problem is you got to get by Vancouver, Minnesota, LAFC. You know maybe well, San Jose in there. I mean listen, it's not easy, not gonna be easy. Well, not only a, do
0: Van, yeah, but not only do Vancouver and Minnesota have point advantages, they also have two games in hand on Dallas. Yeah, the, the, odds talked are, about.
1: the odds are long. But like, it's remarkable that as bad as this team has been because of the way the league works, there's this stupid open window. And if you can get through these three road games that they have coming up oh, New York was the first one You you get through these two more road games, get a point or so in there or two and set yourself up with five of seven at home. I mean, who the hell knows if Maurer comes back and shores up the back, if Brisson comes back, which amazingly helps the defense, you know, and they can, tr- are they going to give up one goal a game instead of three? You know, they got to stupid chance to actually get in now getting in to me means nothing getting that seventh spot and getting wrecked in the first round who cares right i suppose you could always play the card if they get hot you never know and i'm sure that's what Lucci will say i'm sure that's what the team will say i'm sure that's what all the players are going to be Rah well let's go let's buy in but in the big picture you're not winning the most cup with this team so for me i would much rather than pay attention to building for the future but you know i'm not trying to sell tickets so it's easy for me to do that <laughs> well, <not> sure they... <laughs> speaking of tickets oh geez
0: do you have any uh, official reaction to the club's promotion of offering tickets on the anniversary 20th anniversary of the great tragedy and crime of 9-11 by offering tickets for nine dollars and 11 cents
1: yeah um here's my take uh, and I'm, um, people might get mad at me, but it did not bother me as much as a lot of people did. And I'll tell you why. Um, this organization is at best a used car dealership, right? <laughs> they're going to put up the balloons. They're going to have the clowns running around the floppy arm wind Yeah. Guys. The big yeah. wind socks flopping on the stage, which I think LED they actually lighting do. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that kind of thing to me is like, trying to sell some mattresses you know it's like i i get it i you know i and the other side of that coin is that we already have holidays where people go crazy like think about memorial day where people go out and party and have a good time and I, I ball it up when that holiday is supposed to be about so i'm just saying that like listen i, I get people's outrage that they used a solemn uh, occasion when our country was attacked to try and sell tickets man everybody does that kind of crap when you're this this organization does not take a high and mighty tone. They don't take a let's be above the fray kind of attitude with everything. In my mind, so it doesn't shock me and it doesn't really faze me. I know that a lot of people are upset, and I I don't know why I'm not. But
0: well, I I think to 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 have I mean to kind of continue the conversation. The issue with it is is how does something like that get approved? Yeah. I said I mean I, I think I told you I would I would literally pay a lot of money to have had a recording of the conversation where the idea of selling tickets for nine dollars and eleven cents was brought up. And then approved and whether that is a group of people whether that was singularly the decision of the person that's in charge of ticket sales who then went to somebody above that person that said yeah that's a great like at what point did somebody go yeah that's a good idea you should do that or did somebody go are you sure that's like did was there ever any hesitation at all and discussion and thought as to the reality of what they were about to do And I, my guess is no, my, my, I just wonder if a single person went, that's a great idea, typed it into a computer and said, and told marketing to make up some graphics for it and never put two seconds of thought into what they were really doing.
1: Well, I would imagine that, um, I agree with you too, by the way, that in the room, there should be someone that said that's a terrible idea because I, I agree that it's a bad idea. I just am not as upset about it as other people, and I yeah, totally empathy. But, here, but here's the oh, deal.
0: But on, but, but, yeah. but I want to answer because here's the problem with your supposition, Buzz. Is I can't think of a single car dealership, mattress sales place, or anything else like that that sold their products for nine dollars and eleven cents on on the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven.
1: Well, it wasn't twentieth anniversary, but the, I think there was somebody in Houston a couple a year or two ago that did a nine eleven kind of thing. I mean, people have done it. And no, listen, I I agree with you on a personal level. I'm just saying it doesn't upset me. And I, I do further agree that it's amazing that nobody quashed it at any point, that that whoever thought it up must have enough juice that everybody else is just a yes man was like, oh yeah, great. Let's put it together. Let's do it. You know, because I, I, it does sort of boggle the mind on that level. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't like it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like, it didn't quite upset me like some other people did. It didn't surprise me at all. No, I, like, I don't know. Like no.
0: I saw it pop up somewhere, and I went, "Yeah, that's totally the most FC Dallas thing." Yeah, I've, I've, that's just a nut. I mean, and, I, and and somebody pointed out it needs to be added to the ongoing list of <laughs> things. Yeah, and it will get added to that list that is featured and saved. Oh yeah,
1: over at thirddegree.net. So oh, I know. A hundred percent agree. It's a very FC Dallas thing to have done. I mean, maybe that's why it doesn't shock me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's FC Dallas. That's what they look. Look, they're they're. They really want to sell some tickets, right? I mean, their attendance is a little bit better this year. They're kind of middle of the pack. You know, it's we, we talked at the beginning of the year a lot about how all the information I was getting was that they were really cash poor, right? That they were really needing these sales to come in with these players because you know they've gone through the COVID, they've lost some because of both sides of the Black Lives Matter things, they've lost some sponsorships, they've lost some season ticket sales. You know, we've talked a lot about how, how what a lot of vibe we were getting was they really needed some money to come in. I, it's not surprising that in the continuation of that vein that they're because now it's football season two, right, Peter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they, they're going to have a drop off of pe- kids are back in school, football games are happening. Both the American football, which everyone wants to watch, college and, and pro, but also kids are going to be back playing. The academies are starting back up. The youth e- ECNL is starting back up. Uh, your your school teams are starting back up. The intensity is going to fall off. Summer's over, so. Uh, not at all shocking that they're to me, that they're making that kind of uh, move. Wow. All right. Well,
0: uh, amazing. We'll just look forward to the next, uh, face palming FC Dallas
1: moment. Nobody um, needs to yell at me, by the way. I already know that my take's probably unpopular, but good. No, I think I, you know yeah. what, Buzz, you, your your opinion is valid because
0: that kind of stuff happens all the time. I think the problem with it is, is that it really paints a very honest picture of the state of how this club is run from that standpoint, right? Yeah. It's just kind of cheap and thoughtless and whatever, whatever will sell a ticket um, is, is what it's turned into. And that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right, so uh, the, con- the other thing about Pepe is is that you know his attention has started to uh, grow. Uh, he was featured on the new Grant Wall podcast, and then my friend over at the ticket, Bob Sturm, made a call over to the club and said, hey, is there any chance we could get Pepe on our, our top number one rated afternoon drive-time Dallas radio show? And there, lo and behold, on the hard line on the ticket was 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe.
1: Yeah, phenomenal interview. Uh, My two big takeaways are one that Ricardo Pepe has come light years from when he signed as a 15 year old. His first interviews were horrific. Well, trying to get even like two words out of the kid was painful. He's a 14, 15 year old kid at the time. I totally understood it. Now he is so much better. He's clearly had media training. He's still not, you know, this eloquent, like giant speech giver, but light years better than he was. He actually, is having a real conversation with them. He felt really natural, sounded like an 18 year old kid, but really natural in the the discussion with them. Uh, Corby still knows nothing about soccer. That's fine. I really love that Pep, you could get get what I've said about Pepe, about his focus, right? Family, focused in, education, got that pro deal. I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here. Not at all phased by any of it. It was was phenomenal. It was a great interview.
0: I want to know, did you pick up on a slight sense of a a defensive reaction from Pepe about his father's, uh, the fact that his father is American and not Mexican by citizenship?
1: No, I think he just corrected uh, them. I think he wanted to put it out that he was second generation. I, I didn't I didn't. feel any negativity uh, about that. Well, no,
0: I didn't mean it negatively. Like, yeah. I, like almost as if he's frustrated by the fact that there's a perception that both of his parents are like illegal aliens mm-hmm. or something, and they're not. His dad was born in the United States and then moved back to Mexico. Yeah. And, I, and I just wondered if that... I, I kind of picked up on something there. Maybe I'm reading into it. And I just wondered if he felt like he really is having to stick up for his uh, stick up for that and that he's not a first generation
1: no I didn't, I didn't i didn't get that uh okay it's, you know it could, it could be that i just missed it but uh i didn't i didn't feel that i i, I felt like it was just him clarifying because bob first thought he said that uh neither one was but then he just clarified that no my dad was here my mom was in mexico born in mexico so um i, I was cool with all that i didn't sense anything
0: yeah, he was great. Uh, we've, uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, there's, uh, you can find it over on the Kickaround website, the Kickaround.com. We've got it posted there as part of our podcast feed, and um, it's it's good stuff.
1: By the way, shout out to one of uh, Pepe's brothers, uh, Diego, who does actually play for FC Dallas Premier. Because mm-hmm. Pepe said neither one of my kids is in the academy, but his brothers, neither one of my brothers, brothers, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, yeah, he's 18. Sorry, slow down. Yeah, his brothers. Well. Technically true, they don't play for the academy. <laughs> but his brother plays for Premier, which and uh, you can be a damn good player and just not be in the academy. And he's a terrific player. His profile's kind of like a really good player, just not Peppy. <laughs> so shout out to his uh, younger brother. So, all right. And uh, did you tell me you had a story you wanted oh, to tell about Peppy? Oh yeah, I love. I just got this story this week. I, listen, this is the kind of story I love. Maybe everyone else will think it's stupid, but. Um, And it came up when Ricardo talked about coming to the Academy when he was 13, right? It was for the U14 team. He came to Dallas uh, as a guest player. And Dallas likes to send their Academy teams to international tournaments in other countries. They often go to Mexico. So the week Pepe shows up, he's not even signed with the Academy yet. He's a guest player. He joins the U14 team and they're literally flying down to Mexico. And there's like one or two parents as chaperones. And the parent that told me this story was the parent that stayed behind, the parent that's on the road trip doesn't know Peppy's name, just knows he's a guest player. And the, the guy's tweeting back uh, scoring updates and game updates to the rest of all the parents from the live game. And so the game kicks off. The first game Peppy plays as guest player. And like a minute and a half into the game, the guy gets a text. Guest player scores goal, right? Uh, oh, that's that's cool. That's fun. Two minutes later, guest player scores goal. Five minutes later guest player scores a goal and like he said like, right like that they instantly were like well that dude ain't gonna be here long and it was peppy it was like he wasn't even on the damn team yet it was just guest player and he's already lighting up teams in mexico and i thought that was a really fun story that like, they don't even know his name it's just guest player and he's already crushing it inside hat trick in like less than a half you know so yeah I, you know that's the kind of kid that he is and we've told the story about everything they put in front of him he's risen to the occasion and blown past it. And that includes like the first game you show up on this international trip, you, you're, you're just guest player and you're still banging in a hat trick, you know, or more or whatever. And so Pepe even, I think mentioned that on the, our interview, I think a little bit, but uh, well, the he, kid's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. He did talk
0: about, I think Corby asked him about how, if he dominated when he was with the Academy or the, the club team back then. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I showed up and I scored 11 goals in seven games or yeah. something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. He was, he was holding his own. He was doing all right. Yep. Yeah, he was. Yeah.
1: He was doing, Well, I I told the story about the first time I saw him with the 17s and it was early in that season. And it was, he was, so he was the, and he was the younger age group. So he was 15, I think at that point playing for the U 17 team. And it was like their entire spine that day was ridiculous. Nico Carrera, Diego, Diego, David Rodriguez, all great guys. Many of whom are already pros, but Pepe just, you know, it was like a light running around the field, drawing the eye. Just ridiculous, and even at that level, when he was two years younger than some of the other dudes on the field, basically, it was unbelievable watching him play. Everything you see now is still was there. It's just matured and advanced and progressed, and he deserves yeah. all the credit in the world. It's so much <laughs> fun,
0: man. This is fun watching him. This yeah. is the this has been a really shitty season, but him, Tafare, uh, Emma, there has been good parts of the season. I've really, really enjoyed, and they've really salvaged what has been. Uh, you know, look, there's a lot of reasons to be pissed off. This is the third year of Lucci's uh, term as coach. The team, in many ways, is going backwards overall. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs after making the playoffs. And you know, yeah. a lot of the signings have been really crummy. But there are things to enjoy about this team. Uh, and Pepe is certainly one of those things. Yeah,
1: if you if you take the context of just now, and and the, all those things you mentioned are reasons why you can't. But if you do, you can identify five, six, seven maybe even more pieces that you can be excited about that you can build around and think, okay, we can do something with this. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there is some positivity to be found in the moment. Yeah. You're right. Big picture. There are some things to be worrisome about, but, know. Uh, you but know. those
0: are all the reasons why yeah. I'm, now I'm shifted back and convinced that Lucci will be coach again next year.
1: Yeah. I, I've, I felt all along that he didn't get anywhere close to being ejected. Um, Lucci, I mean, and, um, I still feel that that's true because he can point to, what's happening now as like his kids. Right. And mm-hmm. look at, look at the progression of the young guys. This is why you hired me. These are the guys I know. These are the guys I've developed, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to, it's, this is the way, right? The yeah. of,
0: And it's the easiest, it's the easiest uh, and least expensive. At path. least
1: expensive. Yeah. And the foreign signings have the most part have stunk. You know, there's a couple that have become good, but a bunch of them didn't. So you can also say, if you just signed the guys I wanted in the first place, we wouldn't have this problem, you know, so There's a power move there if he wants to make it.
0: Mm. All right. Well, uh, coming up this weekend is the Derby with Houston down in Houston. What are we looking at in terms of lineups?
1: Well, let's all uh, pray and say an amen that uh, Jimmy Maurer can play. I mean, they took him on the road and they put him on the bench. And I always feel as a keeper, if you're on the bench, you can play, you can start. I don't think Philippe has done anything to be able to keep that spot. The instant is available. He needs to be in there. Um, you know, an X factor is Ryan. I have no idea where he is with his injury. But Che and Emma have been uh, Emma have been terrific, so there's no problem there. I think you stick with Tefari, So really it comes down to, is Brisson back? Is Hedges going to be better again? Is Martinez? I, I think you're going to look at Hedges there because there hasn't hasn't been any training to integrate Brisson, even if he's cleared. So Mm -hmm. I would bet on Hedges at left center back. Kenyon will keep his place. Um, Brandon versus Acosta. Brandon had a great run of a couple of games, but then against New York, he was not as good. And, you know, Luzzi loves him some Acosta, although he was slow to get back in when he came back from the last international. So I'm flipping a coin there. I think Acosta will be back. Pomico, yes. Jesus, yes. Pepe, yes. The problem is O'Brien scored two goals. So as as much as I would say, I still am unquestionably saying play Shun. When a dude scores two goals, the coach is going to start him. He's just, you know, you can't bench a guy that scores two. Like, the whole locker is going to look at you are out of your mind if you do that. So O'Brien going to play again. And that's, I think, that's that's I think it's your group in Houston with obviously Jimmy Maurer's the gigantic, huge, steaming X pile in the corner. Uh, and he better be playing or else it's going to be not good again. I would predict.
0: Well, Houston has only won one game in their last seven, and that was their big win over Austin who everybody beats. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it, it's a big, I, you know, I think I also saw somebody, uh, tweeting today that, uh, uh, Dallas stands to win not just the Texas Copa Cup or whatever they're calling it, and El yeah. Capitan with a win against Houston uh, this weekend. So, whatever value you put in either one of those two things, yeah. uh, that would be the bonus on top, uh, the cherry on top if uh, Dallas was to win that game. Yeah,
1: Houston's not good, and a couple of their key pieces are missing, like Coco Kerski is out, but they got Yeruti. Fafa Pico's on an absolute tear for them right now, scoring goals. Um, they've been using Darwin Quintero, of all people all of a sudden it started a couple of games. Uh, that's a tough, that guy can be a tough matchup. It'll be interesting to see how, if he, if that guy's still in there, that if Kenyon can handle him, because he's he is elusive to keep up with sometimes, even though he can't really go a whole 90 anymore. Hmm. Houston is, a, all of a sudden, they just want to, they beat Austin, and then they went out to LA, and they tied in LA. So the, they're a team that's feeling better about themselves, so if you go into Houston thinking you're going to win, you're going to get turned over yeah they're feeling really good right this minute houston is
0: yeah let me just also point out if you're an fc dallas fan feeling down and put out by attendance issues in dallas well oh. flip on a game in houston by the way did you see the the game against austin like austin of course they travel a, a, a jillion people yeah there was i, I am 99 percent sure there was three times as many Austin fans in that stadium than there were Houston fans. Well, they it were a lot was, louder. It was insane. Yeah. There were so few Houston people It appeared uh, from what I could see in the photos and the video. It was really embarrassing. And I, and yeah, and I, have, I, I, if I, if, if I'm MLS headquarters in New York, I'm, I'm assuming there's something being done about Texas in general between these three teams to kind of figure out what's do mm-hmm. because you've got the worst team in the league with a kajillion people, people selling out every game. And then you got these other two teams that are slightly better and can't, you know, can barely yeah. fill up their stadium halfway.
1: Well, they got a brand new owner uh, who's come in and has, he's, he's given like the verbal for Ty well who I think is a good coach. I would not jettison Ty if I'm them. Um, and he's talking a lot about increased roster spend and they went and signed, they didn't have any DPs. And like, since he bought the team, they signed two DPs and they're talking about doing this and that, you know, and I guarantee you that that guy is when you, when you, when you have a brand new owner who's sitting there kind of in a, I'm going to watch it unfold the lap back half of this season. And then we're going to change some stuff. So I'm sure everyone down there has got a target on their back now in the sense of like this, this dude's come in and talk about spending a bunch of money. He, tuck, he spent a bunch of money to buy both the Dash and the Dynamo. So I imagine he's going to want to shake things up big time. Houston's dug themselves as a huge hole in that market with lack of relevance, just like Dallas has done here, which is a shame because Dynamo squandered the relevance they had because they won a couple of titles right after they got there. So they had you know a decent fan base and a decent not, uh, uh, impact on the market, and they've blown it. They, like, they had an owner who didn't care and they didn't invest, and so now they have hardly anything there. Those Austin dudes are traveling, a whole bunch of people, and somebody in Houston cares because one of their dudes got assaulted. The Austin dudes got assaulted leaving the game. I don't know anything <laughs> about it other than that, but somebody down there cares. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Because, like if, look, if they if they got a big owner coming in and spending a bunch of money, Austin's got a bunch of crazy cool stuff happening, and it seems like they're going to spend some money. Dallas better wake up, man. If you go Just Academy, I don't know if that's going to hold up with other two teams in Texas spending a bunch of money. It would be interesting to revisit this in a couple of seasons, Peter, and see where we yeah. are with these three organizations because it might look very different. Mm. You know, I mean, Austin can fall off if they don't start winning. Maybe Houston with big investment might come back up. Dallas, who the hell knows what's going to happen here. Yeah. So with this ownership, I'm a lot of academy guys, I can tell you that.
0: Well, the real uh, shocker out of all that buzz is that you reporting that a Houston fan got in a fight with another fan. That's uh, – I've never yeah, heard of that I'll- before, that's –
1: Stunning I, don't, news. I don't know anything about it it's it's in the news you can look it up i only read the headline that some the, the austin guys did a um a gofundme for to help the guy that got beat up or hurt or whatever out so i mean that's the only reason i know about it you know <laughs> supporter stuff you hear about it right supporters drama there's no drama like supporters drama there ain't right? no drama like no. supporters drama that's yeah right. absolutely so, i mean you know it, it, there's texas rivalry stuff going on man it's fun all right so now here's the before we're done the one
0: thing that completely almost sent me to the hospital because my heart almost stopped from the excitement it created the shock and excitement that it created for old man peter here was the aldea report that the greatest dallas player of all time (laughs) the amazingly frightening Lionel alvarez said something something or other in translation about his idea and i of and thinking about coming to coach in dallas for dallas oh please my bedtime prayers are actually yeah. working
1: yeah it, i my google translated the story said he, he talked about jason he uh, he's told the story about what or haynes tells about you know going four versus 11 extra training and he said that You know, nowadays you couldn't do that because they do all the workload management stuff. But back then it was under the coach's blessing that they did all that stuff. And he talked a lot about Oscar, how he recommended Oscar and how he and Oscar still talk that Oscar calls him about, you know, to work to get after advice and for tips. And, oh, I got this problem, you know, and they they talk about stuff and, uh, you know, and he has an affinity for MLS, you know, that he loved coming here. And he has affinity for this team. And sure, I'd love to coach in that league somewhere. And I would love to coach Dallas. I have a strong feelings about Dallas, was what he basically said. I don't think he's campaigning for Luchy's job or anything, but... Oh, go, ahead. Know,
0: campaign, yeah, camp- go oh, ahead and campaign, Lee. Yeah, go ahead start campaigning uh, now.
1: Yeah, by the way, my Google Translate also says that he thinks Riccardo is a baller. So I'm on board with all that. Well, and um, he's Colombian. Yeah, could be. Um, but it's exciting. Like, if you're you and I, and you're, you're old enough that if you've been with this team from the beginning, there's nobody that we don't revere in this franchise history more than that guy. He has had a lot of success as a coach. I mean, not like superstar success, but fair success. Dallas likes to hire family dudes. So he's on the list of like, Oh, could, if you needed a coach someday, who on a short list would you put in there? Absolutely. That's one of the guys we've talked about. I would worry about knowing the rules. You'd really have to get somebody to work with him that knew this league and how it functions, but man, it'd be fun. Nothing else. It would, it would be terrible for us, however, Peter, because you know he would close practice, and you know he doesn't speak a lick of English, I'm sure, and so I couldn't interview him, <laughs> so it's <that's laughs> not for me.
2: <laughs> but I might
1: be willing to take it just to see what he would do with this league. It would be fun.
0: Yeah, here's the thing, and I and I was having you – know, this came up the other day, and a friend of mine who is relatively new to following – he's a young guy uh, – decided to start following Dallas when he moved here. You know, he sent me a text because he had seen this article as well – after I retweeted it or whatever, and, and, he, and he said, look, I've heard you guys on the podcast talk about this mythical Lionel Alvarez. Mm. What's the deal? And it dawned on me that there is an entire generation of fans of this club who have no idea who Lionel Alvarez is, and here's us old guys talk about him. And the only way I can kind of explain it in kind of modern comparisons and this is the most ridiculous one because it's not even a real person, he's kind of like Dallas's very own version of Roy Kent, except the Colombian version of Roy yeah. Kent.
1: Yeah, the, in the article, they even talk about that. He says what he brought to the, because he's a little bit older, and he was. And people said to him, oh, if you go there, you're not going to get on the World Cup team because that league's not competitive. And he said, oh, we'll make it competitive. And that's what he brought to the table. And he even talks about that, how they, they wanted him to be this ultimate professional. And he brought the idea of I'm going to bring in here what it takes to be a professional, what it means to be a soccer player at this level. And every dude that played here with him has talked about that for literally a decade. Jason talked about it. Oscar talked about it. Everybody talked about it. And then when Oscar became the coach, and again, they mentioned this in the article, Oscar became the coach that influence from Leo was in Oscar because he, Leo knew him even before they played here. He recommended Oscar to the team, so that that Oscar had some of the Leo influence in him. So that philosophy, that mentality, carried forward for literally until a year and a half ago. Lionel Alvarez's influence at this club was still here, and I think a lot of times ways because of the residue of what Oscar left, it still is even still here. So you cannot undersell that dude's value into this organization being what it is in terms of its professionalism and the sporting department. Let's, yeah. be, let's be clear. That's what we're talking about is inside the team and the, and the structure and the way people work here. And the, the maybe even the Hispanic nature of, generally speaking, the locker room and the influences that it's had for decades because of Leo leading to Oscar.
0: I don't, I don't think I would ever describe the current iteration of FC Dallas as soft as a as a squad um i I don't think they're a hard team in any way shape and form but they're not soft but what Lionel alvarez would spur into this team he'd find somebody and and he would birth and inject into the team a real leader right because that's what he was for this team the guy that runs around and gets somebody's face when they fail to do their job well Because in my mind, that's one of the biggest things this team has been missing for quite some time is that kind of guy. And and, and, and if you've never seen Lionel Alvarez, just Google Lionel Alvarez Dallas Burn and you will instantly understand that he was the most intimidating player in MLS 1.0. He looks like a Colombian drug lord that will absolutely not even blink and his heart rate won't jump a beat if he had to put a bullet in your head. He's that kind of looking guy. Guy except yeah. in the in a soccer player right and he was amazing uh, skillful all the things that you want in a defensive midfielder he was that guy and to have that injected back in this club uh, uh would be fantastic uh, all respect to lucci but that is exactly the kind of guy that makes so much sense and if uh, dan and clark ever wanted to make me a happy boy and not that they even even know my name making him the coach of this team would do wonders for me.
1: Yeah, he he's very demanding. He give you that stern look as you joke just like the dude in the show, just like the Roy Kent. You know, he's that kind of personality. He would he, it would be interesting to see how the team reacted. Not everybody does well with that kind of super demanding Then there's
0: soft buzz.
1: Well, that that way well maybe, but there are guys that respond better <laughs> to Lucci's uh, build Honey. everybody up positivity. I mean, everyone's different. You don't know how people are going to react. I mean, I don't know that, listen, the kids that are in the team now, they all came up under Luchi both in the 17s and the nineties because Luchi kept flipping teams. So none of those guys that I know of have ever had a coach like that. So I mean, everybody, Pamukol, Ferreira, Pepe, Cervania, Cirillo, Che, none of those dudes have ever had a guy like that as a coach. Uh, it might be, Utterly fascinating to see how this team changed. I can't even guarantee that it would be good for those young guys to have him here. You know, you and I would enjoy it because we have such a memory for the guy. I don't know that it's the right hire for this organization, frankly, because of that aspect.
0: And I can promise you Lionel Alvarez won't wear leggings as the coach on the sideline.
1: Yeah, and it could be that he's awesome with kids. I don't know. I mean, Oscar was, and Oscar came. You know, has so much influence from Leo in him, so... Maybe that I mean, look, I'm sure that. Um, you
0: completely missed my joke, but whatever. Uh, no, I just ignored it. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's even better. <laughs> yeah, it, it,
1: it's entirely possible. That, I mean, I'm sure Leo came through whatever club he came from and originally as a teenager, <laughs> I'm sure he did, so he would know yeah. how that works too. It's just a completely different, it's a hundred percent reversal from Lucci and mentality and how much he talks. And the kind of way he talks, and how demanding he is, and how stern he is—completely opposite from where Lucci is. Yeah, so if that's you a, want to change it up, that be—you <laughs> couldn't well, get a more big change. You're right, and that's a really yeah.
0: fair point. Is that you know the modern soccer player, the modern athlete, is very different than they were back in circa 1997. So uh, maybe he wouldn't be a good fit. And I'm sure the powers that be would make that decision. But man, <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be fun. And it would mean, and, it, and I, you know what? I hope it would mean. I hope it would mean. Uh, it would also mean the return of his look-alike that <laughs> used to run around Dallas that yeah. looked just like him yeah. and would sign autographs and take pictures. The fake Lionel Alvarez was fantastic.
1: That was one of my favorite things about the original Dallas Burn. You remember that dude? I do. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think they even used to use him at like, a, uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying this officially, but I think unofficially, I think they used to use him at events sometimes, yeah. roll him out and say it was Leon Alvarez. Well, it was
0: just <laughs> weird to see that come out of nowhere. I don't know what
1: prompted that article. I don't know if he's out looking
0: for a gig or if he's is sniffing an opportunity or what is the deal. But to, that was such an out of the blue headline that I just literally yeah. almost made my heart stop. I was so excited by the premise of it. Yeah, it's fun. All right. Very good. Don't forget, kids, the third degree of the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90, which is your source for all U.S. national team, international club and national team gear. And of course, FC Dallas stuff like that. Awesome. Powder blue jersey. Uh, new arrivals have come in from Arsenal, Juventus and yes, even Ronaldo Manchester United jerseys for all of you that would want such a thing. And because you're a third degree listener, you're going to get 25 percent, an entire quarter of the pie off your order when you use the code third degree at checkout at soccer90.com well it's too bad that dan crook passed away in the middle of the podcast um rip RIP dan crook and uh, but buzz all of my love and adoration now goes exclusively to you so thank you sir for all of your stuff here
1: Oh, you're welcome. And if you're into the greatest player in the world, you can. they actually have the little Messi uh, plates now at uh, Soccer 90. I Yes, I've heard that. If you yeah. want a Messi PSG jersey, you can go get one over at yeah.
0: Soccer90.com now. Ooh, you hmm. can. Yes. Unfortunately, I think they're light on U.S. national
1: team gear, so getting a peppy uh, national team jerseys oh, a bit difficult in this moment. I thought you were still talking about Messi. I was like, sweet, we're getting a Messi national, U.S. national team. <laughs> <laughs> so go run over to the store, go to the, fa- like, like,
0: guys, if you've not been to the actual Soccer 90 store, because I didn't even know it existed until several months ago, it's like, a, it's like this crazy circus of soccer stuff. You got to go step in that place sometime. It's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs> use our code online and then do the pickup option and go pick it up and go check the store out. Yes, do that.
0: Absolutely do that. All right, thanks again, Buzz. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fans. We'll speak to you next week, hopefully with some points and more good news on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Rip Dan Crook. Oh. Third Degree, the Third Degree net Podcast.
2: Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. Daddy Green Green Air